Good Morning Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. change was left in my discretionary fund account that's something that's uh no but that's something that we don't need to allow to happen in the future you know being you know when we go to leave office and our hand-picked successor doesn't get picked we don't need to be taking it upon ourselves to spend every dime the next commissioner has in his discretionary fund. All right, so this is Kerry Smith. He is a commissioner for District 2 in Santa Rosa County. That's uh, like East Milton and Milton East Milton. And uh, he was complaining about this on Monday, and rightly so, honestly, rightly so. The uh, county commissioners in Santa Rosa County used to get uh, $100,000 a year to spend on Whatever they think needs to be spent on, right? You know, that's what discretionary money is there for. And uh, their way of doing it is uh, different than, for example, in Escambia County, it still comes back for a vote, you know, but typically they're very deferential to each other. Although there's pretty notable exceptions, uh, they absolutely did not do it that way when Doug Underhill was in office toward the end. There was some very inappropriate behavior by the other commissioners against Doug Underhill with his discretionary money. Um, But, you know, it's all, yeah water under the bridge, so to speak. Uh, now you have, uh, and also in the city of Pensacola, same thing is you kind of used to be able to do it however you wanted. Now they have made it so it comes back for a vote. And typically the other city council members are, you know, very deferential to it. And you let people spend their discretionary money how they want. In Santa Rosa County, as I understand it, it's, it's not that way. It doesn't ever really come back for a vote. It's basically just your checkbook. But it does still have to be appropriate items. You know, the county attorney, Tom Danheiser, is going to you know, make sure the money is being spent appropriately on items of the public interest. It's not like you can just go, you know, go out to the bar with your discretionary money. It doesn't work that way. But there wasn't anything in terms of a process where you'd come back to the board and say, hey, here's what I'm thinking about doing. So what happened is $50,000, and the $50,000 came into effect in the fiscal year, but Bob Cole, District 2 outgoing, retiring, commissioner had a what month or two where he could spend some of that money well he didn't spend some of it he spent all of it <laughs> for the rest of the whole year so carrie smith comes into office and he's like what the you know, and there's no money in my discretionary fund there's under a thousand dollars out of the fifty thousand dollars it was there and he says i just don't think that's appropriate so i would would like to direct staff to look at changing something so that we could do something in the future to not let this happen because it you know the sin of man is there and the temptation to to do these kind of things are always going to be out there and i would just like to move staff in that direction so he says you know we need to make a change and um by, by the way of course his allegation is that bob cole did this i mean there's no question that bob cole did it the question is did bob cole do it inappropriately immorally personally against carrie smith in some sense like that and that's a separate question right so james Calkins, commissioner for district three yeah i, I fully agree with you 
I think that uh, that there should be something to kind of maybe maybe like you know the August primary or something. There should be like a you know from between August and and a certain August and November maybe there would be a uh, you know you can't use your discretionary funds within that time period. That might be an idea. No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't. You can't tell a sitting county commissioner who is a properly and fully elected, even after they lose the election, if they do, they still have all of their powers. They don't lose their abilities just because they're, you know, going to be out of office. You're in office during the term that you're in office. So the idea of saying that you have, you know, like you're a full-fledged county commissioner up until the August primary, and then after the August primary, you're like county commissioner light. I mean, that that you did i mean that's you're talking about like probably constitutional changes in the state of florida to make that happen um that's a very weird proposal he also wanted also i would like to recommend that uh we go back to kind of how it used to be where you know every year we would we you know we would get about a hundred thousand in discretionary funds and then we would be able to if for the commissioners that don't spend it can kind of save it and then you know put put it into projects you know that they that they kind of seem fit i think that's a potential option that i want to throw out to the board yeah can we not go back to doubling it you know we need more not less well there's a reason they put less in there because the idea was instead of having individual county commissioners save up money over the course of long tenures which is kind of how it used to work you know bob cole did this for the um uh the rodeo the livestock arena uh, out at the fairgrounds. So, you know, that was one of the ways he did over the long course of time that he was in office, managed to save up money to do it that way. And the reason they pulled it back is because they want to think more county-wide about projects and, you know, persuade your commissioners this is a good project, let's do it, instead of this kind of rollover and then maybe you never get there and maybe you don't have enough time to accrue the money and all that. So Colton Wright, uh, who is uh, District 5, which is uh, Gulf Breeze and Tiger Point kind of vicinity, he's also the county chairman, or the chairman of the county commission right now, he says... I think the county attorney could probably articulate this a little bit better, but I do think that if, you know, if you have an elected official during the time they're in office to restrict what they do while they're still elected and serving, I think is, it would be a little awkward and, and, and difficult. Yeah. Uh, but probably maybe harder than that <laughs> actually. So he's exactly, that's what I was saying about, you know, you can't say that the commissioner is not a full fledged commissioner during the term of his office, even though it might, you know, lame duck has always been a weird problem in democracy, right? The people who either have retired or have been voted out, but they're still in office with the power. That's always been a problem, a weird situation, but it doesn't mean you lose your abilities, which is the point also. However, I do 100% believe that an incoming commissioner should certainly start with the discretionary funds balance of $50,000 regardless of whether the previous outgoing commissioner spends it. Yeah, and this is the point. The way this should be done, there's actually a really easy way to solve this problem, is you just align the availability of the $50,000 a year with the term of office, which makes it so it can't be done. You know, the money's available once you're installed, and then you get it every year for four years, and it goes through the full term. Instead of having this weird kind of disalignment between when you're in office and when the money's available for discretionary funds, that would have solved this problem. 
that would solve this problem in the future. Of course, the question now is, um, what do we do about it? Like, how do we remedy this right now? Well, the, I mean, the easy answer is, look, Bob Cole didn't do anything essentially wrong. It probably shouldn't have been done the way that it was done. And he was the only one really out of the five of them that had spent any of his money. And by the way, the things that he spent it on were the uh, Baghdad Historic Cemetery Association got uh, four grand. He got the um, the Lead Academy FFA chapter. Future Farmers of America got twelve grand. The uh, Emerald Coast Wildlife Refuge Education Center got fourteen grand, and the uh, City of Milton Carpenters Park project got twenty grand. So leaving um, you know ninety nine dollars in the account. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't look good, but did he do it deliberately and appropriately? And he says no. He says I thought it was my money to spend, so I spent it. And, you know, this is really, they just didn't set it up right in the first place. So what do you do now? Well, I mean, you have to give Carrie Smith $50,000. Nothing else makes any sense. You got Now, maybe they could each contribute 10 of their discretionary to him, and then everybody's got 40. That also doesn't, so they need to give him 50 grand. That, that's the only thing that makes any sense here. It's not his fault that Bob Cole spent the money. It's not, you know, his district didn't do anything wrong. Um, they did get the benefit, weirdly, of Bob Cole, but it's just, that's the only solution here, and they're going to vote on that today. But I like this tone from Colton Wright, who says, you know, you can think a decision was not great or it adversely affected you, or even that it shouldn't have been done, but saying that it was done, like, to personally punish you because you weren't the person that Bob Cole wanted to win, come on, you got to have evidence for that. You know, people can speculate about motives, but I can tell you, and people can believe me or not, but, you know, if I was to spend... Fifty thousand dollars, you know, in the two months preceding me me leaving office, I can tell you I would certainly do it with being prudent and trying to do it for the right reasons, the right organizations, and the right right reasons for spending that money, not as a, a, a way to punish my you know successor or whoever wins the election. Yeah, I mean, you know, a little bit of grace, a little bit of charity, a little bit of uh, let's not assume the worst about somebody. Nevertheless, but I do believe, regardless of that, what we should do is make sure that. An incoming commissioner has the $50,000 or whatever the dollar amount that's agreed upon, what can, discretionary funds are normally, that what that balance would normally be. Right. I think it's, it's absolutely appropriate to make sure the incoming commissioner has that fund. So I certainly, certainly support that. Because you should not be penalized by being the new guy not having any discretionary funds. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give you 50 grand. All right. <laughs> you know, and that's that's the point. And that's what that's one of the things they're going to vote on today. 520 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. Ballet Pensacola is honored to recognize the dedication and bravery of the United States military with a special ballet production, February 10th through February 12th, featuring artistic director Darren McIntyre's original choreography, Lights Will Guide You Home, and Odyssey, along with creations such as Fleet Week and Spartacus. Ballet Pensacola. Pensacola celebrates the military while providing a patriotic salute to those who serve and their families. Tickets available at BalletPensacola.org or by calling the Pensacola Little Theater box office. When you're an innovative business, every blinking cursor, every blank page is an opportunity. What will you do with it? Will you make something better or create something new? Our Dell Technologies advisors provide you with tools and expertise to do incredible things. Because we believe there's an innovator in all of us. For advice on smart PCs powered by Intel vPro that's built for business, call a Dell Technologies advisor at 877-ASK-DELL. 
At Mucinex, we don't believe in cold and flu season. We only believe in comeback season, which starts with 12-hour relief. Just one dose of Mucinex DM provides 12 hours of relief for cough and chest congestion day or night. That's three times longer than those four-hour cough liquids. So say goodbye to cold and flu season and hello to comeback season with Mucinex DM. Nothing lasts longer among over-the-counter cold and cough medicine. Get relief that lasts with Mucinex DM. Use as directed. Tune in to News Radio Pensacola on the FM dial at 92.3 and 95.3. Listen on the AM dial at 1620. <laughs> and then a wheel of laugh. High five. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, um, I'm making the assumption that uh, you're, uh, you've watched all the movies ever. <laughs> That's my premise. Who, me? No, but in general, oh. in general, with the sound clips. I figure, oh, absolutely. you know, if, if you've watched all the movies and you know all the movies, then then you get all the jokes. And if you don't, I don't know what to tell you. I'm telling you, Borat is a, <laughs> a genius. Our, one of our cats reaches up and we always go, high five. High five. Because, <laughs> it's King Borat. of the high, castle. High five, King of the castle. <laughs> you know what my sister is. No, Cinque. Cinque. All right, uh, 523 on News Radio. You're like, what's a Borat? Oh, that's fine. That's fine. No problem. Uh, <laughs> Actually, also, do not watch it. <laughs> also, if you do watch it, don't blame me. Uh, just, I'll just put it that way because right. there's a lot of, you'll see more than you want to. <laughs> His other two are way worse. I know. Five five twenty three News Radio ninety two three. David Wayne is in the newsroom with our headlines. David. Well, Google says the Justice Department's complaint that it's abusing its position in digital advertising is without merit. The tech giant says it says it will defend itself vigorously against the Department of Justice. Uh, who says it should be required to sell its ad merger suite, which generates uh, quite a bit of Google's revenue. Facebook and Instagram, both reinstating former President Donald Trump's accounts. Meta, the owner of uh, both of those sites, and said yesterday that Trump's accounts will be made active again in the next few weeks. And uh, two House Democrats are calling on Republican Speaker Kevin McCarthy to deny Congressman George Santos from gaining access to classified information. New York Congressman Joe Morell and Gregory Meeks published a letter to McCarthy yesterday saying, quote, his unfettered access to our nation's secrets presents a significant risk to national security. What was the committee they want him off of? Uh, they just want him to not have access to any classified information. Okay. Yeah, they don't want him off of a specific committee that I can see. But Well, I, I say that because it's it, it, there's a fair question to be had here of whether Santos and to what degree Santos should have access to any restricted documents, right? I mean, right. I, I think that's a fair question. And in fact, uh, um, David, thanks so much for the update. That's actually something that came up the other day that, um, you know, Kevin McCarthy is actually now the Democrats would say punishing. I would say appropriately reorienting (laughs) some of the committee assignments, because basically the Speaker of the House has the ability to do this. But um, Eric Swalwell, who is I mean, he's a security risk. He, I mean, he is a security risk. He's got, like, the ability to be uh, blackmailed over some things that he's been involved in. I mean, he's – Eric Swalwell should definitely not be on, like, the Intelligence Committee, okay, um, and which he had been, and he should definitely not be. And McCarthy has pulled him off of it, said, no, he can't be. Also, Adam Schiff is not going to be allowed to be on the Intelligence Committee. Now, that one is a little bit more like you have to make the case – 
but um, he, he's not a security risk the same way that Swalwell would be. Um, but he is, you know, he's made allegations. He has misled the American people, in my opinion, and in Kevin McCarthy's opinion. Uh, he was one of the key architects pushing all of the various narratives against Trump leading up to the impeachment. And I... I say definitely did mislead the American people on several different occasions, but does that justify pulling him off the intelligence committee? I think it's an interesting question. Okay, that's what Kevin McCarthy is saying is, how can we trust somebody with that kind of access who's then going to turn around and lie to the American people with it? I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting point. I'm, I'm a little agnostic on that one. Swalwell, no doubt, very easy uh, for that decision to be made. Um, but, of course, the Democrats are saying, well, you're just punishing our people because um, you don't like them politically or whatever. And, you know, look, the folks in power do have some ability to shape these things. And he's given at least reasonable explanations of the why in both cases. So, you know, this business of being on which committees, I mean, that is part of the speaker's prerogative, right? 526 on News Radio 923. Uh, of course, there's always that sort of weird background looming question of let's imagine Kevin McCarthy pulls George Santos off of all committees. Uh, and then George Santos says, you know, I'd like to recall the speaker. Well, now he's a vote against. And the margin is thin. <laughs> to say the very least, five twenty-seven, which does not does not mean Democrat or Republicans should turn a blind eye to all the George Santos nonsense. But just understand that there's a political reality here, right? Five twenty-seven on News Radio ninety-two-three. What else do we have going on? I, there, there's a story out there that I, a part of me wants to tell you because it is news. It is a fact. On the other hand, I don't want to tell you because I think it plays too much into a stereotype uh, about gay people. But at the same time, if I don't tell it, then am I hiding? I, it's just, it, it's a weird story, okay? It's, it's an awful story, g- genuinely a, an awful story. What you have is a, a couple of gay guys who had uh, some kids, and they were, I mean, you know, they were adopted kids. And it turns out, gay couple from Georgia had two adopted sons, and they, um, they did everything awful you could do with those kids. I'll, I'll put it that way. They were, indult, uh, they were indicted in August of 2022 on charges of incest, aggravated sodomy, aggravated child molestation, felony sexual exploitation of children, felony prostitution of a minor. 11 and 9 years old. Atrocious. And the reason I'm kind of hesitant to tell the story is because there is... A perception among people who are against homosexuality that this is extraordinarily common. And there is also, I think, a sort of blindness to the truth that it is common for many people, gay and straight. And so the the case is horrific, okay, comes out of Georgia, out of uh, Oxford around Atlanta, and it is one of those things where, you know, the, a lot of times stories that would be very negative towards particularly gay people don't get reported because exactly of the current concerns I said, but also because of the feeling like that's a, you know, that's a small slice or something like that. If they were straight, this would have been in big news, right? I mean, if they were not high-profile members of the LGBTQ community, which they have been very high-profile members of that. So I, I didn't want to not report it. Because I don't think you should hide the news, but I want to make sure that we realize at the same time, this is not something, and this is something that happens with 
non-gay people also. And you've seen and heard the cases where children just get horrifically exploited. It's, I mean, and it's, I mean, it's utterly disgusting. So anyway, that was just wanted to let you know that's a story that's out there. Um, it's you know one you may or may not have seen or heard an awful lot about. It certainly has not gotten a whole lot of media attention, uh, and I didn't want to be the one to kind of not report it simply for the perception that it might feed into the bias that you know homosexuals are uh, a higher higher tendency of being pedophiles, which is certainly a bias, a long-standing bias that you know people have about that particular. Population. 5.30 on News Radio 92.3. Oh, the one thing about the Supreme Court investigation of the leak of the uh, Dobbs decision, the justices themselves never had to swear under oath that they didn't disclose it under penalty of perjury. So they investigated all the staffers. Everybody else had to swear under oath. The justices themselves did not have to swear under oath that they didn't leak the document. Hmm. The weird? (laughs) (laughs) That's... Now I super promise pinky swear. You know, like, come on now. News. I'm Chris Foster. Waves of Russian missiles are fired into Ukraine during the morning rush hour there. At least one person's reported killed in Kyiv. Air raid sirens sending people rushing to shelters. Impacts were recorded in several other parts of the country. Yesterday, the US and Germany both announced they're sending high-powered tanks to help Ukraine win back its territory. Jonathan Savage, Fox News. Recommending an annual COVID shots under discussion at a Food and Drug Administration advisory panel meeting today. Much like the process already used for annual flu shots, the goal would be to determine in the spring what strains of COVID will pose the biggest threat in the winter so that shots can be available in the fall. Fox's Tanya J. Powers, a 63-year-old Florida man suspected of dozens of sexual assaults in the 1980s. Robert Eugene Kohler is convicted of one so far, a woman raped and stabbed in her home in 1983. Investigators found Kohler after his son's DNA was submitted to a criminal database. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning. It's 531 News Radio 923. I'm David Wayne. Marcus Spanavello now being indicted on federal kidnapping charges in connection with Cassie Carley's death. Those charges were announced by U.S. Attorney Prim Escalona and by the FBI yesterday. Investigators say the indictment charges Spanavello with a kidnapping that resulted in death. And if convicted, he could face either a life sentence or the death penalty. Spanavello is also indicted for abuse of a corpse in Alabama last month. Santa Rosa County Sheriff Bob Johnson is holding a news conference later this morning at 11 o'clock. Uh, Carly disappeared, of course, after meeting Spanavello for a custody exchange of their daughter last March. Her body found in a shallow grave in Alabama several days later. A motorcyclist died and two kids were hurt in a crash in Mary Esther yesterday. That happened Wednesday afternoon on Highway 98. The FHP says the bus was at a stop sign. The motorcycle was headed west on the highway when the bus pulled out in front of the bike. The motorcycle crashed into the side. There were five kids on the bus when that crash happened. Scabia County leaders say they're looking to buy 10 parcels of land. That includes the Inglewood Baptist Church building. Last week, county commissioners voted to move forward and make a $1.7 million offer on the property. This is probably one of the best deals the county could get. Um, quite frankly, 33,000 square feet at $1.7 million. I mean, you know what? It could be used as a shelter. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of things that this building could be used for. Commissioner Lumen May said that the funds were set aside for a community center in that area after the 2014 Escambia County jail explosion. Englewood Baptist pastor Larry Watson telling Channel 3 that the church is looking to sell due to not maximizing the space and would m- move back to their original location. 
Legal battle now brewing as civil rights attorney Ben Crump has announced a lawsuit against Governor DeSantis and the state's decision to reject an AP African-American history course for high schools. The high school teachers are protected against being censored in sharing an accurate retelling of our shared history. Earlier this week, the governor said the course in question promotes a political agenda and contains material uh, related to queer theory and abolishing prisons. Crump and other lawyers are suing the state on behalf of three students. And if you're looking for one of the best taco spots across the state of Florida, you ought to check out the local food truck Taqueria El Azador because they have now landed the number three spot on Yelp's top 100 restaurants in Florida list for 2022. Now, Taqueria El Azador is located on North Davis Highway, uh, just north of the I-10 interchange. The two restaurants that ranked above El Azador on the list on Yelp were uh, an Italian restaurant and a coral uh, in Coral Gables and an Ethiopian restaurant in Orlando. So that would mean that on that list anyway, El Azador is the number one taco spot across the whole state of Florida. Have you been? Yes, it's oh fantastic. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I know. I wish they were open now. <laughs> Breakfast Sorry. tacos. We I'm need them. saying. <laughs> we got to go there one day after, after news. Absolutely. Uh, 534 News Radio. Let's get a look at our Channel 3 forecast. This is meteorologist Brooke Richardson with your first morning weather update. Cooler day out there today with temperatures warming up near 55 degrees for your afternoon high. Mostly sunny skies overnight tonight. Temperatures dropping into the 30s for lows. Sunny skies will continue as you go into Friday with a high near 56. Friday night temperatures dropping near 42. For Saturday, slight warm up with sunny skies continue. High on Saturday near 60 degrees with a low near 52. Stay connected to the Channel 3 News first morning weather team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson from the first morning weather center. Thank you. Brooke, right now, clear skies. It's 40 in Pensacola, 43 in Gulf Breeze, 38 in Milton. Our next news at 6 o'clock and breaking news anytime. News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Pensacola right now with Bobby Rossi. Afternoons at 4. This is House Democrat leader Ventress Driscoll. Quote, this is a political move from a man who wants to run for president and distract from the abortion discussion. End quote. Wait, what? Teacher pay? One of the areas that, that Florida can improve on. I'm like, it's a political move. Why is it political? And then when I saw that they said it's political because he's distracting from the abortion discussion. What abortion discussion? On News Radio 92.3. Informative. Local. Dependable. Hey, Pensacola, Dave Ramsey here. I want to talk to you about my friends over at Gulf Coast Air Care. They've been trusted members of your community for over 25 years. Owner Todd St. Ors and his team focus on the indoor air quality side of HVAC for the people who want comfortable, healthy, and energy-efficient homes and workplaces. Gulf Coast Air Care can help you with dusty, moldy, or leaky duct systems, hot or cold rooms, and odors, and humidity issues. They test for duct leaks, and they do the repairs. If you need duct cleaning, duct repairs, or air filtration, you should call them today. Remember what Todd always says, if you don't don't have a good air filter, you are one. Call Gulf Coast Air Care today at 850-934-2768 or visit them online at gulfcoastaircare.com. That's 850-934-2768 or gulfcoastaircare.com. 
Mom, can I have some ice cream? I've got a better idea. Who wants to help me make something fun and healthy instead? Me! Eating smarter is easy and delicious. Interested in receiving healthy recipes and a whole lot more in your email? Then register at healthiestweightfl.com and learn more about all the small steps that you can take on the way to living healthy. This message is sponsored by the Ounce of Prevention Fund of Florida, the Florida Department of Health, the Florida Association of Broadcasters, and this radio station. Wake, Wake up with Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News. Lifestyle talk with Jenna Barr and Pep Talk. Drive home with Bobby Rossi and Pensacola right now on News Radio 923. Good morning, 538 here on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola Morning News. By the way, it's really cold today. It's 39 degrees. Like, it's, yeah, not not the fun temps, okay? And it's going to be colder tomorrow, but uh, not to freezing. At least we don't think so, and then it'll warm up a little bit. But just, uh, you know, FYI, if you're like, oh, it feels a little bit. Yeah, it definitely is. Yesterday, I had a chance to talk to D.C., who was, uh, D.C. Reeves, who was in uh, Washington, D.C., and I think we have definitely found the right bumper for D.C. <laughs> if we, Hey, I love D.C. talk back in the day. That's fantastic. Uh, D.C., welcome back from Washington, D.C., sir. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be back on. I appreciate you having me. Always. So, uh, first thing, how was the trip to D.C.? You were in the room with President Biden, and uh, I assume it was a very educational experience, all of the different things that you got to learn? Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, it was, it was really a a great experience, not only from a, you know, you're a you're a new mayor in a in a community, um, and getting to meet you know mayor of every large city that in the United States that was there, other mayors in the state of Florida, um, you know, obviously that you know that could be a great resource moving ahead for any mayor uh, to be able to get someone on the phone who knows where you are, knows where you've been. Um, but as further than that, you know, right now there there's uh, some really interesting times and. Being a mayor in the United States, and that this uh, you know bipartisan infrastructure bill is on its way. Um, it's why we're getting our grants office going, our economic development office going. Uh, you know, really at the perfect time um, because you know Pensacola's got to be in the game. Uh, you know, with this grant funding, um, with building these relationships, and so um, I, I think it was very fruitful um, uh, with conversations. And, and I'll tell you this: what I've been saying, telling everybody since I've been back is, I don't care if you're Pensacola, Florida or your Atlanta or Miami, uh, whatever site in New York City, that I would tell you right now the four biggest issues, I mentioned this in the press conference, it's fentanyl, it's recruitment and retainment of law enforcement, homelessness, and attainable housing. There is not one city that is not dealing with those issues, albeit in different ways. Uh, but um, we are all in this together in those four issues right now, I think, pressing across the United States. Well, no, I, I I can understand, and as, you know, as we see the news reports, that clearly seems to be the pattern across the country. And it's a weirdly reassuring thing to find out that you're not uniquely screwing everything up when you know, everybody's got the same set of problems, just like slightly different slices of it. Well, right? and and innovative solutions, right? Yeah, I mean, yep. You know, when you listen to the person who's in charge of uh, of the battlefront of, of of combating fentanyl, or you get to listen to the attorney general talk to us about fentanyl, you know, I mean. When you're when you're you hear best practices and and you build again build relationships where you can call on someone. I'll, I'll give you an interesting example: the the uh, executive director of the interagency 
uh, intergovernment agency on homelessness in the United States of America is a guy whose brother lives in Pensacola, Florida. Huh. So I got his card and I said, man, I would love to pick your brain, you know, yeah. on, on someone who's, you know, leading the, the entire effort on homelessness. Um, and so that's those, it's those types of, of touch points and interactions that, you know, when you're up there and you're meeting folks is, can, you know, can turn out to be really valuable. Uh, coming back here to home, uh, last week's city council had a vote that was a, there were two really tight votes. Uh, the one that caught my attention the most was the one on the tree planting trust fund. And though I heard the explanation given by the city, to me, if you penalize or require a fee out of people who cut down trees to go into a fund in order to plant trees, and you then use that fund in order to cut down trees, that is a philosophical violation of the whole purpose of the fund. Even though I understand that you're cutting down and replanting, it seemed to me like a real misuse of the bulk of that fund that has not been used well for very long. That's the problem. But I wanted to give you a chance to respond and kind of explain why you had asked for taking the $90,000 out of the tree planting trust fund. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple things in play here. Number one, there is no better irony of government red tape than a fund of money that sits unused that's around the topic of planting trees. You know, the, the classic saying, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, the second best time is today. Yeah. I agree uh, wholeheartedly. I mean, this is the type of fund that should, we shouldn't be getting interest in the savings account on. Right. This is a fund that we should be extending to help our tree canopy. So, uh, you know, if, if this money, if I said, hey, look, let's figure out a way to to get caught up on, on hazardous trees that needed to be cut down and this fund was empty and we had to find another fund, uh, certainly that would be, I think, a good problem for the community to have because that means we're planting a lot of trees. Um, but, you know, we've had a lot of inaction and, you know, I'm trying to take some action. And, and as, as it pertains to why this use with this fund and if the oxymoron that you present, so to speak, why are you cutting down trees with a tree planting fund? Understand a couple things. You know, we have one tree crew. There's a lot of qualifications that it takes, a lot of experience that it takes, and a lot of expense um, to have a tree crew. We have 40 trees. If you called me right now um, from your house and said, I've got a tree that's about to go on a power line, we got about a two-year backlog, um, give or take, uh, it, unless it was obviously an emergency that, you know, um, you know, it gets prioritized. But we got a two-year backlog on these trees. So what, when we have a tree crew going out every single day to handle these and we've let, we've gotten ourselves underwater through the hurricane, through COVID, through whatever the case may be, we've gotten, that we've gotten backlog. What is our tree crew not doing? They're not taking care of our tree canopy every day. And yeah. so, you know, and we had a legal opinion, both the council and, and myself with our city attorney to that effect, that this is a fund for maintenance. So this, this is to help maintain our tree canopy. So this was an effort for us to get out from under you know, where right now, you know, are we pruning trees along the side to keep them healthy and growing? Because we got a 40, you know, tree backlog on the canopy. So, you know, I get it. You know, I get to the, from the planting purists, uh, which I'm a huge supporter of. I mean, by the way, I mean, I, I know what tree canopies can do for economic development, local economies, and now I use Savannah, Georgia as an example. Um, so I'm a huge proponent of that. I mean, I would love for us to get that money spent. Uh, on on planting and everything else. Um, well, let me let, day, I, I'm, let me ask you for a, 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 a sort of a. Here's what I would love to hear from you. Um, pledge me if you can that you're going to do your best to spend all the money in the tree planting trust fund down to zero with planting trees, and once that is done, find a way to 
put another eighty or ninety thousand dollars toward that effort so that in the end what we got was the full tree replanting trust fund in terms of trees actually planted in the city. Yeah, and, and look, I, what I'd say is, I mean, you could really go further than that and say what, what, our, what our hope is, is that, um, that we can come up with other revenue streams to boost the tree planting trust fund. I mean, Absolutely. I said that during the campaign. I said, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm willing to find other ways to make that number larger. Um, and, 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 I mean, at the end of the day, how big is $390,000, whether this is spent or not, on, on really getting um, urgent on building our tree canopy? So. Will I do it in that exact form? I, you know, I'd obviously have to look into that. But what I would tell you is, um, I am, I am hugely, uh, as I told former Councilman Myers, I am hugely uh, a, a proponent of of building tree camping, knowing the value that it is. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm having meetings about how we're, you know, potentially redoing some streets, and I'm saying, well, the, that's not good enough for the tree canopy. You know, I mean, because of how I love it that. You on that's, the sidewalk. That's great, and I think that's All what that's. So, that, that's probably yeah, would that, that would that would have been helpful for people to hear. Of course, you couldn't be there because you were in D.C. But just to hear that right. kind of in spirit pledge that you know we're not trying to not plant trees. We just we're trying to get this money right now in a way we can find it and trust us. We're going to make this, which is great. One of the other sure. things I wanted to ask you yeah. about D.C. is the um, uh, obviously the big recommendation list that came off your transition team. One that we talked about. We knew this was coming because Tommy Leiter had talked about this before. But one that came as his number four. He went a little bit. Above uh, but his number four recommendation is red light cameras, specifically at uh, 9th and Bayou or uh, Brent Summit, whichever name you call it by, um, 9th and Airport, and then Fairfield and Davis. How interested are you in, ado- in adopting that recommendation? Um, I would say pretty interested. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, this is um, when you think about the amount of, I mean, number one, one of our um, biggest hurdles to um, public safety is, of course, traffic safety and, and injury fatalities um, with accidents. You go to a second layer of that, which is all of the labor time that our sworn officers, our firefighters are spending um, <clears throat> having to deal with these. And, you know, I, I know I'm sure he mentioned, you know, one one crash every 10 days at the three biggest ones. And you, can, you put all that together, it's one crash every three days at just the three largest lights. So, you know, I mean, from a labor standpoint, from a a public safety standpoint, something has to be addressed. And and, um, so, you know, I'm I'm certainly going to entertain it that we have not, you know, finalized that at any point. But uh, we we intend to to investigate that and see that through. You know, of course, I want to learn more about how that's going to work. You know, we're we're, we're not this is not a gotcha. This is we're not trying to say, you, you know, you were half an inch over the line, so you know here's a hundred and something dollar ticket. Right. What we want is we want to tell people, you, you know, you are you, we are watching and we can actually enforce these intersections. I mean, which is something we can't really say with confidence right now. So, um, so yeah, we will pursue it. Um, you know, I'm no guarantee, but. Uh, it's something that we're definitely looking at. Very good. And uh, look, I'm in in support. I mean, all of the arguments make sense to me, especially the impossibility of policing those particularly those three intersections. Um, I did get a text in here. Somebody says, in fairness, the previous administration, the philosophy was if we can't afford to maintain the trees, we should be cautious about how we plant them. I love that. I love that you guys are working. I mean, appreciate that. I love that you guys are working on a master plan for parks and racks with Adrian Stills, which is fantastic. All of that makes perfect sense to me. So, and uh, you know, I wanted to, I wanted people to hear it from you because I know the conversation 
conversation they did here would probably leave them with a bad taste. I knew you would have a better way of saying what your plan is. Final thing, we always like to end with a lightning round, and I think I have this right. You were in the room with President Biden. Was St. Augustine also in the room, the mayor, St. Augustine? Um, I'm not sure, but they, uh, I think they were like six years or rows behind us. I'm not sure. (laughs) That's all I want to know is I wanted to make sure you were in the front row and they were not. Um, okay. So the true lightning round, um, have you ever collected or do you now collect anything? And if so, what's the weirdest thing that you collect? Uh, no, not anymore. You know, I, I was a big baseball card, um, kid. Okay. Uh, that makes definitely. sense. Definitely. I had, had that, you know, I, I'm taking up a lot of real estate in my mom's attic, probably still somewhere. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, no, not really. You know what? I press passes, you know, for my journalism day. Oh, okay. All right. The, spe- the special people permits. And, okay. All right. I got you. Aww. Um, <laughs> did you, did you make off with anything from the white house? <laughs> Uh, so I brought Caroline a, um, you know, what everybody dreams of, which is one of those nice, fancy napkins from the bathroom. Nice. Uh, says, yes. Says, way to go. Long. That's the way. All right. Yeah. Um, Mayor D.C. Reeves. I, I I'm sorry. What's that? What was, the, what was the last part there? We would have all done that, right? In Pentacle. I, Absolutely. I like 100%. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. do it if I ever go to your house. That's that. <laughs> I've got Here, a napkin Darren, from D.C. Reeves bathroom. A special monogram and everything. <laughs> D.C. Reeves, uh, always a pleasure, sir. Uh, great to have you on, and we'll talk to you again next week. All uh, right, yeah. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Always. <laughs> Love him so much. I almost said, yeah, you don't like stuff you steal from bars. Not yours. You're right. Not no, your obviously bar. <laughs> not Perfect Plane. Although right. it's not his anymore, but you know, no, right. I know, but, I know, you know, I know. Same, same. Yeah. 550 uh, on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. Looking to start a career or change your current career? Pensacola State College is the place for you. Choose from short-term, high-demand career and technical education programs, ranging from commercial vehicle driving to medical assisting. Call 850-484-2000. Are you looking to start your education or to change careers? Pensacola State College is the place for you. We offer bachelor's degrees, two-year degrees, career certificates, and more, ranging from nursing to welding. Apply today. PensacolaState.edu. Let's be honest. Nobody likes taxes, but they are necessary to maintain roads, support schools, and fund public services. Wouldn't it be great if someone else could pay our taxes? In Escambia County, they do. Our beautiful community draws millions of visitors who spend over a billion dollars each year. The taxes they pay help lower the tax burden for locals. Tourism works for all residents and businesses in Escambia County. This message brought to you by Visit Pensacola. Are you a business owner stressing about the high cost of health care plans or wondering how you can compete in today's labor market? ProHealth is here to help. ProHealth's medical membership program is just $45 per month per employee. That's just 28 cents an hour for full-time employees. This program covers unlimited primary care and teledoc visits with zero copay and many more benefits. No appointment is ever necessary at ProHealth. Beat the high cost of health care with ProHealth's medical membership. Not convinced? Think about how much a sick employee is going to cost you. Listen to News Radio on air at 92.3 FM, 95.3 FM, AM 1620, and online at newsradio923.com. Download our mobile app or listen through Alexa. Eat my shorts. This is such an 80s song. 
drums. Come on. Come on, drums. Yeah. Get their altered images. Stop making us wait. Here we go. watch Valley Girl and blow off work. Back at a time when all we had to <laughs> worry mean, about was the Soviets, right? That was all we had to worry about back that's then. That's it. Wolverine! <laughs> it's Wolverines. Sorry. Wolverine! Thank you. If you're gonna if you're gonna do it, do it right. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you are absolutely right. Let's go fight the Russians in the yard. <laughs> and the Nicaraguans, I think, were part of that too. Yeah. Uh, Five fifty three on News Radio ninety two three. I'm Andrew McKay. It's the Pensacola Morning News. Yeah, I didn't just have uh, a job at Blockbuster. I still watch a lot of movies in addition to that. I'm saying, yeah, I know. I've seen a couple. Uh, David Wayne, you know, uh, some people are like, you know, I spent my whole youth playing sports. Yeah, that wasn't my issue. Yeah. <laughs> I played cards and watched movies. There you go. Can't imagine why I flunked out. David Wayne in the newsroom with our headlines. David? Well, Vice President Kamala Harris wants Congress to act on gun safety. Of course, this is after those several uh, mass shootings in California over recent days. She was in Monterey Park, California. Uh, She told people they need to demand accountability from the government. A Virginia school board has now fired its superintendent over fallout from that recent shooting where a six-year-old boy allegedly snuck a gun into an elementary school and shot his teacher. Uh, The Newport News school board voted yesterday to remove George Parker as the head of their district. And a big asteroid. Expected to fly by Earth today. Astronomers say the uh, space rock is the size of a delivery truck. It'll make uh, one of the closest approaches ever, but NASA says there's no risk of it hitting Earth. Yeah, there's... uh, Okay, so you want the good news or the bad news about this one? Both. Are you predicting a a strike? No, 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 no. I just... Which which slice of this story do you want? The terrifying or the less terrifying? Okay, here's... Let's go with the most terrifying You got a a FedEx-sized asteroid, FedEx truck-sized asteroid that's coming very close to Earth. Now, you know, historically, like astronomy news, they kind of exaggerate the significance. And so the way you want to measure this is in moon distances. That's the way to think about this. The moon is about a quarter of a million miles from Earth. Okay. Okay, 250 million miles from Earth. Okay, so if something is coming a million miles from the Earth, that means it's four moon orbits away. Not close. You know... in the terms of the overall astronomical numbers, close, but not really close. Oh, but that's great. Okay, okay. This one, again, size of a FedEx truck, 2,200 miles. Duh. That's pretty close. That's closer than like here to LA. Which well, is supposed that's to, a little farther than that. But it's, hit us. that's like across the US. Is how how high up? Like if you took the entire US from like Miami to Seattle and you stood it up on its end, that close. That's re- like the diameter of the Earth is what ten thousand miles? Okay, about because the circumference is about twenty three, twenty four thousand miles. Okay, so it's a tenth of the diameter of the Earth. Close. Like if you're looking at a picture of the universe sideways, you're looking at the Earth. About ten percent out is where this asteroid's going to come. Is that the less terrifying news or the terrifying news? No, that's that's the terrifying. Well, that's that's the partially terrifying news. The less terrifying news is it's going to, if it did come, it would burn up on impact. We would get very, very, very small fragments would ever reach the ground, if any at all. Okay, so even if it were closer than they think, it's not going to be a danger. Here's the scary part. Discovered it five days ago. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) Top men are on the job. So what top? Who? Top men. men. When is it supposed to be? Tonight, this afternoon. Like, uh, like, I think what I saw was 2.30 Pacific, but I heard somebody say 9 o'clock tonight, so somewhere afternoon, evening today. <sighs> yeah. 
So uh, that's a buzz cut, baby. <laughs> but Great. That sounds like a tremendous oversight on somebody's part. Well, I mean, you know, things are coming at us all the time, and they come fast. And you can't see everything if it's too far away and too small. I mean, y- you know, that just the, the physics of it, like the optics, literally the optics of it, you couldn't see it cause, until it got close enough. But that's super close. <laughs> and I'm the one, you know me, I'm always the one that's like, oh, it's no big deal. It's not that far. Or it's not yes. that close. This one, I'm like... Oh, <laughs> so hey, I'm gonna call out tomorrow. <laughs> Good for us, I'll David. Be dead. Th- th- thanks for the update. Five fifty-seven on News Radio ninety-two-three. Uh, yeah, no, this is I, like genuinely. When I, I first heard this, I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> that's that's a kind of one. Five. Have you seen Deep Impact? I'm sure you oh, have. Yeah, yeah oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody Daddy. says. Somebody <laughs> says, don't look up. Yeah. Oh, and, okay, and we're right? in, and we're in all this. We're in all this news right now about these um, comets that are up in the air. The, the 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 green comet is one of them, and others as well. I, I'm just telling you. You know, I went out and looked. You can't see nothing. There's nothing. I want to. I want something spectacular to be going on. I want to see something. Great. And, and I went out looking at it and nothing. Um, so, yeah. 437-1620. What, uh, what else do we have going on? Oh, um, do I want to get into this right now? I guess I will. The item that the senators are going to be talking about today is called the JR-15. This is a smaller and lighter version of the AR-15 rifle. And it comes from the firearm company called We One Tactical, introduced in 2022. The marketing prominently featured back then baby skulls and crossbones, including an engraving of the skull and crossbones right on the rifle itself. Now, last year, California's governor, Gavin Newsom, tweeted about the rifle, calling it vile and also making reference to it when he signed new gun safety legislation last year. All right. So they're talking about this JR-15 in uh, Congress today, and it's something that uh, Gavin Newsom, the noted gun expert, described as vile. Uh, It's a skull and crossbones with a pacifier on a weapon of war. It's not a weapon of war. Made to look cute to appeal to kids. Manufacturer calls this a JR-15. Every NRA-backed politician should condemn this. Uh, Chuck Schumer, it's awful. It's terrible. It's, you know, teaching kids how to be murderers. Okay. Um, (laughs) It's not a smaller, lighter version of an AR-15. It is a 22, which means that for rifles, it's an extraordinarily weak round compared to the, you know, uh, 556 that the uh, the AR-15 shoots. Um, it has incredible safety features on it that actually require a parent to enable the kid to actually be able to use the safety off. So it has to take a parent and a kid. Um, and it looks like an AR-15, but it's very uh, minor version of it. That's the only simple. Listen on air at 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. News Radio 92.3. WNRP Golf Freeze, Milton, Pensacola. Federal charges for Marcus Spanavello in relation to Cassie Carley's death. Also, a crash in Okaloosa County resulted in a motorcyclist killed and a couple of kids hurt on a school bus. Those stories and more after Fox. They shot down most of them. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. That's what a Ukraine general says about Russia's barrage of missiles launched today, along with self-exploding drones that air defense down 47 of the 55 fired. The ones that got through did some damaged infrastructure, and one person was killed in Kiev, two injured. This after the U.S. and Germany and our allies announced nearly 100 tanks will be sent to Ukraine to help fight Russia. This was really about two things. One, being able to maintain unity in the alliance and partners and the partners that we have in providing 
providing support to Ukraine and making sure, number two, uh, that we are getting ahead of the fight. National